0: This, this pod podcast, podcast is, podcast is wild. Wild. fantastic. fantastic.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon and Border Loans here on the Black Tastic Podcast Network. We had an opportunity recently to welcome two people who are intimately uh, familiar, intimately involved, who are absolutely essential to Queen Sugar onto our podcast. We had Paul Garnes, who is an executive producer and the head of physical production for Array. Uh, he's been there since day one, he's involved in every aspect of the show. Uh, he's the one who figured out how they were going to bring the production back for this particular season in the world of COVID, uh, what they had to do in order to make this season go. So he'll explain all that stuff. But we also had the opportunity to have one of the many directors of Queen Sugar, Sierra Glaude, who is the person who directed the latest episode of Queen Sugar titled May 27, 2020, where... It's right after the George Floyd, right after George Floyd was murdered by the police in Minneapolis and the the reactions. So she's the one who was in charge of making sure that episode got off the way it needed to. Where from from the Nova and Calvin scenes to the all important talk scene between, you know, Blue and Ralph Angel. You know, she's the one that makes that come together and she has amazing stories and she brought so much energy. We can't wait to hear. So, you know, this episode is a special one. We're glad to be able to bring this to you. We're glad to be able to have the conversation with these amazing individuals who uh, help bring the show that we all know and love to life. So thanks for checking us out. After this, you're going to hear from Paul Garn, Sierra Glade, and the entire Bourbon and Borderlands crew as we get some questions off and, and answer a couple interesting questions that we had about some of the conversations that have occurred that we've even talked about on the show. So check it out uh bourbon and border loans all right well we we appreciate you all uh taking some time out to talk to us we're big fans of the show obviously we have a whole podcast dedicated to it and um you know we are all avid watchers avid thinkers about it trying to figure out what's coming next and We wanted to take this opportunity to ask some questions that we've had and talk about things that we've seen, but I'd be remiss if I did not start this out this way. So, Paul, I looked at your IMDb, and I got to say, when I was scrolling through, I saw that you were involved in one one of my top three favorite movies of all time. You got
2: oh, served. Man, I know who this is. I I have to tell you, of all the movies that I thought you would have said, it that would was not it. have been You <laughs> Got Served. But that's oh, cool. Man.
1: Oh, man. Let me tell you, You Got Served is 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 so awesome to me. And uh, everything I do, I do for my family and Lil Saint, which is. I shout sure. out Lil Saint whenever I can. Uh, so. You're irritating. I'm, Very. I'm not even. Janae, you know, Corey knows. that I'm not even joking. You got served as real. So with that being said, um, we'll start kind of big picture if we can, uh, talking about, you know, the show and everything. And, you know, we've been talking, obviously we're in COVID. The season is a heavy COVID lean and we've been talking about that. And, you know, Shaunice, we've just been talking. So, you know, Shanice had a question specifically about that. Um, have at it. Yeah,
3: so I, I think in the beginning, over the summer and it, we've just been wondering like, okay, are we going to get a, a queen sugar? I was like, are we going to, are we going to get a season? So we'd all been wondering. And when, when Panama finally disclosed to us that we actually were getting the season, we were very excited. So I just want to know, um, Paul, we heard that you were heavily involved in, you know, making sure that, that the season five went out without a hitch. Like you were you getting the hotel situated making sure that people can quarantine. Was it, was it your decision to, move forward with the filming or how was that decided and how, how did you guys make that decision and how how quickly did you have to pull that together like walk us th- through that process
2: sure you know we were like many productions like everybody in the world um just going along with our regular day in March last year um you know we started hearing those little rumblings that you know stuff was starting to happen and mm-hmm. all my friends that are heavy conspiracy theorists were saying you know you got to start <laughs> you know like putting food away and you know, oh so God. we were filming and uh, we were having these discussions in our scout vans at the time saying, you know, man, what do you think is going to happen? What, what should we do? And when push came to shove and uh, the industry decided to shut down, which was Friday, Friday the 13th, um, all the shows everywhere just started shutting down. Uh, we all thought we were just going to be shut down for two weeks. Yeah. Felt like it was going to be longer, but that's what everyone was saying. Mm-hmm. It's going to be two weeks, it's all good, right. and you'll be back up and going. Um, but then clearly as this thing started getting worse and worse, uh, the NBA shut down, like everything started going away. Um, everyone knew it was that serious. And the movie and TV industry was real slow about getting back into it. Like it took months to get to a point where we had a real plan on how to do it. So, um, you know, I was part of a team that, you know, Ava, Anthony Sparks, we were all kind of like on phone calls saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to come back? What's it going to mean? Um, and that's where the plan kind of got hatched that if we wanted to come back, we would have to come up with our own plan. Um, mm-hmm. And so we started just running through all the ideas of how could we do this? Not really knowing all the stuff that you knew later about masks and yeah. thing and all that stuff. Um, you know, we just went extreme and we were like, well, cool. We'll just put everybody in a hotel. Um, but then we were like, you know, Got yeah, a lot of young actors, like they're not going to sit in a hotel for six months right. and never <laughs> go out. Um, and so we came up with a, a crazy plan that we were going to do something called block shooting, which would be like shoot it like a movie. So all the scenes that happen, let's say at the farm, we were going to shoot the whole season wow. at the farm. And then we would go to like Anvis house and we shoot the whole season at Anvis house. Uh, and we would wow. limit our actors' um Uh, quarantines down to just the time that they needed to work. So they Mm were quarantined for 14 days and then they would work for a few weeks and then they would be able to get out of quarantine so they wouldn't go crazy. Wow, Um, And and that's basically how it started coming together. Uh, And then we just, you know, in also trying to figure out how to deal with COVID, we just leaned into the idea that, hey, COVID's real. How can we do the story of the borderlines without dealing with probably the thing that's going to affect our lives for the next you know, decade, like, how do we put this show out and not have that as part of it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Ava and Anthony went back into the lab and started, you know, trying to really hone in on uh, COVID, but it also allowed us to to talk about George Floyd, which, you know, was kind of happening in real time for us. Uh, and then that's where Sierra kind of comes in and, yeah. um, you know, she got to be one of our kind of embedded directors uh, where we haven't had a director that, like stays with us the whole season like that, uh, and we had three directors um, who literally came down and lived with us uh, for the entire season. Uh, and I'm sure you know wow. should sure give you some some perspective on not only first time TV directing, but first time TV directing in the apocalypse.
4: Yo, it was crazy. (laughs) Um, I will say um, I chalk it up a lot of times to being a really great like creative workout because a lot of times you know we would just be getting these pages and have to go right to shooting them like the ink probably wouldn't even be dry before the people were saying the words and Mm -hmm. I was just there to like get it in their mouths you know what I'm saying and Also just like like Paul was saying, living in coronavirus and um shooting in pods and having our testing schedule and um, all of that really affected like you know what we could do on the day. Like we have less time to shoot. Sometimes it's all three directors shooting in the day, so we're just mm-hmm. passing the ball back and forth. But I mean, I feel like we did that, you know what I'm saying? I feel like <laughs> I considering that, the yeah. circumstances, like we did really good. Um, you know, so um I I stand firm in that. It's just like for all that we had to go through and shoot in the apocalypse. Like we did that shit. Y'all so, did.
0: Yeah, you yeah, yeah, definitely did. Yeah. yeah,
4: it was a challenge at times, but also because I had never been, you know, like it was my first time. so. I didn't mind not having this or that, and I'm used to just kind of getting it how I live, and so, like, we really just kind of, like, took that, um, you know, that that gorilla approach, it. and also everybody else on the crew was on their P's and Q's, like, I could just have a sidebar with um, props, and, you know, they would have me options on a day and stuff like that, so it just really forced everybody to just, like, I don't know, we was just on some superhero stuff. This and
2: and, and yeah, creatively, yeah, it. creatively, it was truly a science experiment because maybe yeah. outside of the first season when we were shooting a show that we didn't know what the show was, right? We didn't know what it was going to become. Um, that season, we were shooting scenes, mm. like literally, you know, you go from scene one to scene two, there might be three months between shooting those two scenes. Um, mm. And so a lot of of seeing the episodes cut together, we didn't see the episodes cut together until We were cutting them together. Yeah. Um, yeah it's so a lot of it was like, man, fingers crossed. Let's hope this works.
5: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask, uh, Sierra, uh, you know, what kind of challenges does that present as a director? Like when you have the actors like shooting, like block shooting, right. And they have to, their emotions have to build over time, but you're doing it all the same day. So this might be something for episode one, episode three, episode five, all on the same day. How do you get the actors in the right frame of mind as a, as a director?
4: Um, first, I remind them where they're coming from and where they're going. Um, I feel like a really good example of that was my first ever day shooting um, TV. Um, I had two scenes. My first one was the end of my episode 504, which is where Ralph Angel's telling Darla, like, let's just get married. So it's like, you got to nail that. That's in the episode. And then the second scene was the talk scene that, you know, premiered last night with Blue. And, you know, it is really it's not hard getting them in the different places because they're so good and they already know but it's like giving them those gentle reminders and then just like trusting them to get to that space and also giving them the time to get to that space and I remember when I walked in um the room with Kofi and Bianca and Ethan for the George Floyd scene I was like hey I'm not finna hold y'all and nitpick y'all on these lines I was like Y'all know what it is. Like, you know how you feel about this. I was like, just stay in it, speak from your heart. And they were in there nailing it every single time. You know what I'm saying? And um, we didn't have to do too many takes because like, you don't want to keep putting them through that. But they just, they were living it in real time, you know? So it's not like they had to go pull from something else they could pull from in the moment. And, um, you know, that was really, you know, beneficial and special and it came across on screen.
0: Yeah, you know, that's actually I had a question about that, because, you know, one of the things that I love about Queen Sugar is that probably more so than, you know, other shows based around, you know, fictional characters is that the show doesn't really exist in a vacuum, the Queen Sugar universe you know, it's very similar to what we're going through and it's the same things that they're dealing with, we're dealing with. And then, you know, especially in the context of this season, we have coronavirus and we have all the stuff that happened last summer with George Floyd and the uprisings. And, you know, we've had discussions at length about how we often find ourselves, you know, triggered <laughs> watching the show Um, yep. because so much of the trauma that they're going through not only reminds us of our own personal experience, but we're also not completely on the other side of it yet. And because we're, we're still, very much going through it. And so I'm curious if from your perspective, if you all had some of those, you know, kind of triggering moments or what was the what or was there an emotional toll of having to tackle such um you know heavy subject matter and you know to the extent that we're also still very much going through it. Like what was that like for you guys?
4: Um it it was very deep and intense at times. And you know a lot of times we leaned on each other and um even with this episode that premiered last night is um a lot of my approach in in that was how do you feel about this? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody had their own special way that they felt personally as their individual human person and mm-hmm. then as their character. And sometimes like I would let them get that off on screen. I was like, Okay, Omar, like let's do this one as Hollywood. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, All right, now show me how Omar would react to this. Mm-hmm. And don't- I got very different things, and I mean, all in all, is still the same person. Like most mm-hmm. people ain't gonna be able to tell if it's Omar or you know Hollywood, and also they're not gonna care because it's a mm-hmm. real authentic experience, um, and so. I even took that over to my DP um, Bruce Cole you know as a black man I was like how did you feel about this like how do you want to shoot these things and you know he definitely had an input and it was just really important for me to like consult with everybody because I wanted to you know come from a place of like consciousness um mostly so like twitter don't you know flame us up because i be on twitter <laughs> and i know like the activists and stuff like they'd be like i don't like stuff like this but yeah. it was really special to me last night um a couple of them dm me and was like normally we don't like stuff like this but you this was correct and stuff yeah. like that so um that's really special and so again it was just coming from a place of like consciousness and authenticity also
0: yeah you know
4: what i'm saying like reverence because this is a reality for so many people and so many people have different ties, you know, to this subject matter and stuff. And it's like, what, you know, why wouldn't I consult with these people? These are my yep. collaborators. This is my team. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, to me, it just infuses the the story and what we're putting on screen like that much more when so many other people can have their hand on.
2: It makes a lot of sense. And, the, sure. and the nature of the show, you know, one of the things that Um, we found so profound when we started doing the show is you know it wasn't lost on us the early days of working on a real live plantation where black people used to be enslaved and you know what I mean like we were making the show
4: right there
2: and it it was one of those things we used to talk about a lot in the early days um, that you know like that is like something that we always wanted to to uh, treat with reverence and make sure we stay connected to the, you know, the heart of what this experience really is, what this represents. And, and, you know, we're embedded out there in St. Joseph, you know, like it's real farmland and black people really do live out there who are descendants of, uh, you know, enslaved ancestors and they are around us and they talk to us. And, you know, I think that was one of the things over the years that we really started building a uh, a language on how to do that.
1: Yeah, I have a question about um <clears throat> about last night's episode especially, but kind of larger scale because of it's kind of meshing both of those things about having to deal with the real world issues and what happened last night. So that that scene with Ralph Angel talking to Blue, like that hits home. Like I'm a father of sons. Mm-hmm. I know is as well. And, you know, kinda like preparing for the world you you live in versus the one you want to live in like as life and it was just a moment i think when ralph angel just looked at Darla and said it's time like you know i got it like i have to have that talk with them do y'all have people on set to kind of talk and help through like like traumatically reliving through some of this yeah, stuff man. because watching it it was heavy because i know i'm what it saddens me that i know i'm gonna have to have a talk like that with my sons at some point like i want to pretend like i'm not gonna have to hoping i don't have to i'm planning for it and i know it's on me to do so even watching you know ralph angel kofi do that like it was just it was a it was triggering for me in that way the subject matter is heavy enough but like other people like what's the environment like while doing those type of scenes
4: um Well, normally any other time on set, like I I have like this certain energy that like, you know, when I love the take, which is all the time, people know it and stuff like that. But when you are doing scenes like this, you have to have a, you know, a reverence. And um, luckily for us, like you don't even really have to do too much because everybody that's there knows what's up. You know what I'm saying? And so they they already bring that reverence to it without me having to go searching for it in the crew and like even the way they move around when we're doing scenes like this is delicate and um, Ethan's dad was actually on set and something that happened before we shot the scene, him and his dad came up to me and said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I was like, what's up? And they were like, "Um, Ethan and Blue were the same age and so um, he was like, I've had this talk with Ethan and He Mm -hmm. asked, you know, well, don't all lives matter? And so we had a discussion about how, you know, a child asked that. And so we talked to Lauren Wolkstein, our producing director, and she was over there running it up the chain about like, how do we, you know, can we get these lines added in? Because that was his real genuine experience. And it allowed us, you know, to have Ralph Angel say, well, yeah, all all lives do matter, but, you know, we can't say that until Black lives Mm -hmm. matter. And so that was like a real life thing from, you know, a father having to actually already have that conversation with his son to before we shot this he said hey let's get this correct because like I've had this experience and I think that was you know that was really valuable and I'm really glad that it, yeah. um you know it got put in there and it came across that way and it's like at the end of every take you know I, we would cut and I'd be like um you know that's beautiful I say it in a nice little soft voice and then honestly I would just go in there and I really wouldn't even have much to say to them um the only thing I wish I could have done but I couldn't because of COVID was going there and hug little Ethan. Oh my gosh. Right. I would, I would run in there and I would just like absorb them and just let them know through my eyes, you know, with my little mask on that it was beautiful. Half the time I'd be tearing up and I would ask his dad to come in between every take and console him and, you know, get him together that way. Cause I couldn't, I wouldn't otherwise, cause that's my little homie, but, um, (laughs) So that's like what the process was for that scene and you know going to what you were asking that's how it all kind of meshes together so you know real life experiences you know we infused in there
5: it came off as very authentic and real life and that's that story explains it all i mean it was real life so yeah
4: absolutely absolutely it absolutely was shout out to them
0: for sure definitely so Sierra, I know you directed this most recent episode, um, and I know that we probably want to maybe want to drill down a little bit more on, you know, what happened in this last episode specifically. But before we do that, I know your journey to the director's seat has really been a remarkable one. Um, you know, starting with you being in film school in Alabama and meeting Ava, and then ultimately being able to work with her on a number of different projects, including, of course, Queen Sugar and then working in different capacities on the set, production assistant, writer's room, and now of course as a director. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about your journey to the position that you're in now and what that experience has been like, um, particularly as a young black woman and really being empowered to come into your own as a filmmaker and like what's special about being able to work and learn and grow on a set
4: like Clean Sugar. absolutely. what was funny is like, I actually never grew up watching a lot of movies. I was outside in Alabama, like playing and riding my dirt bike and playing basketball and riding on horses and stuff like that. And so um, I, accident, I actually got into filmmaking by accident. I was the SGA president of my uh, Catholic high school, and I started doing these video announcements because I had taken a class my junior year. And, you know, growing up as a gay black girl in the South, you think, like, you got to be a lawyer or a doctor Mm -hmm. if you want to be successful and have any kind of livelihood, you know. And so, like, um, I just didn't know filmmaking was a thing, but I had a, um, a teacher in high school say, hey, like, you should probably check this out. So when I went to the University of Alabama, I was like, all right, it can't, it won't hurt if I declare this is my major and see, I can always change it. Y'all, I took my first film (laughs) class. It was like this five-shot exercise with this lady named Dr. Raymond. She's a season three director. Um, And yo, I was like, people get paid for this? And she was like, Yes. And I was like, oh, I love it. And so I kept doing it. I was making um, you know, films with my my peers at school, and um, we were just making a lot of stuff, whatever we could. I was shooting for the Greeks. That's how I actually got my name shooter. I was in a dining hall one day, and this guy comes up to me, he was like, Hey. You're the shooter, aren't you? And I was like, well, I guess I am. And so I went and changed my little Instagram <laughs> handle. And I um, thought you were gonna say you right, was in the right. gang. Right? <laughs> no, <Boy>. no. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
6: <Okay.
4: laughs> so um, yeah. And then um, as I was a fifth year senior, uh, we I was in this program called Creative Campus, and we started our own film festival called the Black Warrior Film Festival. And um, my Professor Dr. Ramis she uh had worked with Ava on something back in the day and invited her down to talk to us. Now bless Ava's heart. She thought Black Warrior was like Black Warrior, like us, right? It was the name <laughs> of the river that the school sat on. Okay, so, there's that. She came, you know what I'm saying? came <laughs> like, down, and you know, I just got to you know meet her and um filmed her over the weekend, and at the end of the week, I knew she was a month out from shooting Selma, and I was at this, you know, table and I was like. I'm the one you need, and I'm finna work on your movie, so what I gotta do. I
0: oh, know, that's right.
4: And so, we're like, all right. Here and so, is. you know, from from that, it was just... Um, After Selma, uh, Paul invited me up to Atlanta to work on the game a couple of times. Like, y'all, I would get out of class, shoot up there, work with them 12 hours, shoot back down, make it to class. Um, I was just getting it. And then I um, ran into Ava um, again at Urban World from one of my fellow Selma PAs that recruited me for that. Ava was like, apply to Sundance. When you do, let me know. Did that. So I was always just, you know, trying to move on to the next thing and doing honestly doing whatever, you know what I'm saying. It didn't matter how I had to get there. I, I volunteered at Sundance. And then by um, March of 2015, I was just burnt out of school and I was working like three and a half jobs. And I text Ava. I was like, yo, whenever, wherever I'm like 10 toes down and a uh, hour and a half later, I get a call from Tulane, Um, and she's like, Ava needs an assistant in New York, y'all, I dropped out within 30 minutes, I ran what? over to Dr. Raymond's room, and I was, <laughs> and she was like, I'm calling the registrar, you're out of here, and within oh, wow. a week, I was up there working with Ava, and then she just, you know, kept putting me on, and um, I was, I was telling Dwayne, I was like, I don't think I dropped out, I feel like I got drafted to the league, you know, because it was one thing after the next. And um, I was also, after after the pilot I did with Ava up in New York, I spent some time in Los Angeles with Dr. Ramos again. Um, and in my spare time, I was a teaching assistant for her class, even though I had dropped mm. out. She was letting me be out there with her just to mm-hmm. help out. And I would go to um, Ava's office. It was then still a firm, right? And so she wouldn't even know I was there. She wouldn't even be there half the time, but I was doing whatever. And she saw me one day and Tulane took me in there. And she was like, and I was like, yeah, I've been here, I was like, I told you I was about that life, and she took me home, told me about Queen Sugar that evening, and so, you know, um, I showed up the first season, she was like, start making some stuff when you do, you know, like, work your way up to an episode, and I started doing that, we made last looks, Um, I went on to do Wrinkle in Time with her, came back again, second season is the first team PA, so in those first two seasons, like, I really got to, like, know these people that are these mm-hmm. characters and you know so I do have a little bit of an advantage because I know them very mm-hmm. intimately like down to their dietary restrictions wow um, yeah you know, so that's like, a different yeah. perspective yeah, yeah right. and it really is and I know how to like I know them and I know how to like tap into them and I can also see when they're themselves on camera and when they're somebody else I was like no Kofi I need Ralph Angel you know mm. and so um that's a definite advantage from you know having to do that but through all of those shows I just really learned set and learned the different things people would let me play with things I had no business playing <laughs> with you know what I'm saying and like really like teaching me and letting me learn and then you know it's just been such a lovely experience to come back as a director on this show that I was literally there on the very first day why you know what I'm saying like and so it's just been really crazy. And just, I cry about it all the time. Like, there's no shame in my game. Okay. When it comes to just like how excited this makes me feel, and just, you know, being here with these people that I love so much and that are, are really a family to me. So
0: that's amazing. Right? Dream that come so true. That's amazing.
6: Like,
5: it Maybe comes it. through in the product. I see that. <laughs> yeah, it really does.
0: Absolutely yo, does.
4: Honestly, I have the best time on set. Like I Ava told me one time, she was like, make sure you have fun. I said, I will give you Don't worry about that. dollars <laughs> if you can find anybody out here that's having more fun than me. And then, you know, that reflects in things that the crew tell me, things that day players DM me afterwards, and was just like, yo, the energy. And I'm like, it got to be because I've done worse things like this ain't work at all you (laughs) guys like we're out here having fun we're not doing like brain surgery or you know we're not saving lives nobody's bleeding dying or dead hopefully you know and it's like but we're we're doing things telling important stories and so Mm -hmm. like that's the most you can ask for out of a job you know what I'm saying so like go out here and do work like this with lovely people and have such a grand time doing it like honestly I need to show about how jazzed I be on set because it honestly (laughs) don't make sense Watch
5: it because you hype <laughs> right now. I know, right?
4: I, I, right, right, I, I, right. I, you feel me? Like living the dream. You're posting yeah. childhood living the dream. Oh my god, I
5: love it. <laughs> I had
7: a quick question for Paul. So so Paul, what's the most challenging part about uh being a, a producer on this show?
2: Uh, I mean Queen Sugar makes it easy now. After you know, in the s- six seasons, we uh I think we've gotten to a point from a crew from um the cast, um, you know, how to do it. Now, the hardest thing in producing it is it's a cable show. uh, And we have to make a, you know, a show that we find, um, you know, we want it to look cinematic. We want it to feel real. We don't want it to have, you know, a layer of cheese on it. You know, like, how do we do that with a limited schedule, with a limited budget and and still make it feel um, um, like a masterpiece if we could, you know? Uh, and that, that's probably the biggest challenge is just trying to, to maintain that, the look um, from season to season, um, you know, it, it becomes a more of a, a, of a dedicated mission after the first couple seasons. Because the first season, you know, you just, you just live in it, you're trying to figure it out, you, mm-hmm. you know, um, but after that, you don't want to get so caught up in your head, like, you know, where you start messing it up because you think you figured it out. Um, And so I think that's trying to keep it fresh. We do benefit from the energy that our directors bring in, um, you know, because that same energy that Sierra has. um, Our typical director is a woman who's not directed television before. Uh, And so a lot of times they come in super hyped, like they're ready to do this thing. This is their life. You know,
7: do do you guys Um, find that risky um, getting first time directors uh, to direct a show of this magnitude?
2: We never found it risky, no. I think a lot of people around us did, but we mm-hmm. never found it. Yep. yep. Yeah,
6: it's, Not it's, over it's
2: to you. yeah, we never found the risk. Because <laughs> you know, you're asking somebody who, you know, the one, the woman who did the template for it was a first time TV director. You know what I mean? Like our origins were that. So it's kind of like, you know, it'd be like for me. You saying is it risky to hire a black person to be your attorney? You know, like, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, you know, the first-timer
7: right. first though. So like experienced black attorney, it's different with experience, but I just, you know, I was just curious as to how comfortable you guys are hiring
2: people I mean, All never of our, All of the movie. directors who come up in our, you know, in that show have directed before, you know, like mm-hmm. they're, they, they have directed. Their first time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. they've done independent films, all they've right, done Broadway to. shows, That's true. like okay. they've paid their dues. Okay. Um, And so, you know, in our mind, again, it, it didn't feel risky. Okay. I
1: have a minutia question because something I noticed this oh, season that they're 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 cursing a little bit more. I've noticed like <laughs> I've noticed like the cable curse <laughs> words popping through. How does that How it does COVID,
2: that? Come it was COVID, you know,
1: uh, listen, I get it. We all we all cussing a lot more during COVID. But, you know, I noticed <laughs> that I was like, so did they just use the S word?
2: Like, there's been, so, there's been there's been some profanity in it every season. But um, yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, look, it's more trying times. It is.
1: Hey, I'm with it. I feel that. <laughs> I'm with it completely. Listen, I, I feel the exact same way. Trust me. Listen, is well, the in the script or is that I something that is that script? Uh, it's know.
7: in the script. Oh, I mean, they add
2: libs on, but it's in the script.
7: Yeah,
4: they add libs on. They add libs on time. But real, you know what I'm saying? We love it, so.
2: Yeah. Definitely yeah, overstand. I mean,
0: go
4: ahead some <laughs>
0: They <laughs> like when ralph angel said that
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. kofi was definitely giving it that time that was-
1: <laughs> I, knew it. I, was, I was like, I, was like Yo, I, feel that. I feel like i feel like that's off script i feel like i feel like he, he th- i feel like he threw it in there i felt like it.
4: yeah i think in between each one of them takes he he always did a little something at the end. he was just feeling it you know yeah. oh, say, so in fact i
1: overstand you? i was like yes that's that's Ralph that's kofi right there
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay,
3: that answers a lot of questions. Yeah, right, theory, is, solves that mystery.
4: A bunch of different inflections and a bunch of different mm-hmm. reactions on that, and so every time it was something different, um, but something in the moment it felt.
2: Yeah, and that was a. I mean, when you shot that scene, that was a late night. We had shot the whole day and then moved over to that gas station late at night. You know, um, you know, yeah, I think he was just that was where he was in the day too. Yeah. Overstand.
5: Yeah, cool. I have a question about the creative side of season 5. So, season 4 it ends it seems like we're clearly headed toward another landry borderline showdown. You know, we've introduced Parker who we've joked over here is Charlie's untethered um, you know, and <laughs> We haven't seen much of that in season five. You know, there's been a pivot, you know, to deal with COVID and now dealing with the civil unrest. So, like, how much of it is a, is a marriage, so to speak, of what your plans were and then what the world turned out to be? And how much is it torn down and just built back up from the beginning?
2: Uh, I mean, this season for sure was torn down and built back up. I mean, we were uh, two days into episode two when we shut down. Um, And then when we came back to finish episode two, um, we started going ahead and planting those seeds of what was coming with COVID. Um, You know, That said, in general, we start off every season, I think with a little bit of an understanding of where we think this is going. Um, But as the writers write it, as the actors act it, it starts to develop its own kind of path. Um, And so even from season to season, uh, where we think it's going, sometimes it pivots a whole different direction. So it has a little bit of of a natural cadence to it, where, uh, again, like I said, how do you do this show uh, and not talk about COVID or or George Floyd? And at the end of the day, you know what? COVID stopped everything. You know what I mean? Like it changed everybody's plans. Right. Um, And so even with what was going on, you know, on the farms that changed everything, you know, it changed the business. Um, and so, for us, you know, we wanted to make sure we adapted to that. Uh, it couldn't just go back to the old storyline because the world's changed.
1: Right. Yeah, that's that's very real. We were. So wait, does that mean there's an actual first episode that's sitting out there just in
2: the vaults? uh No, yeah. we aired it. Episode one was episode one.
1: Oh, it was the same episode one. Oh, okay. It was yeah, the... yeah. Okay. One,
2: we didn't change it. I
4: think the pivot didn't come into what, like episode two? When I think yeah, two, some of yeah two, two was
2: completely rewritten after we started shooting it. Um, that makes sense. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the elements still kind of, you know, like some of the arcs stayed right. in there, um, you know, but new stuff came out of the idea of what was happening, right? Like, you know, you look at like what was going to happen when each of these families got sequestered to their homes. Like, what was this going to bring out? And, you know, how did people process the fear of what was going on? And, you know, being cooped up at home. And, you know, some people did okay. Some people didn't do okay. You know, Prosper was in there, you know, not (laughs) doing it. (laughs)
0: Prosper's not playing with y'all.
1: Prosper is like one of my favorite characters on the show. Like, I'd be so concerned about him and his livelihood. Like, it's like (laughs) looking at my grandfather. I'd be so concerned. I can't stress to y'all, like, Every episode we protect do, always...
0: Prosper at all costs. Don't get hurt. We have on Twitter every week. Everybody at says, all
4: costs, better cause. not mess with Prosper. Listen, even getting threatened over
6: Prosper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now listen, look, you don't have to see us. We, you know, no it's, harm it's, shall come to Prosper. Such a
1: good job was done with him last season, like in his story, like yeah. kind of being alone and stuff like that. Like I remember feeling so connected to that story of like Charlie and Prosper and how it hit me. Like, like it was my father, like, you know, kind of like a father figure and being concerned about them. Like, it was so well done that since then I've been so concerned about his life. Like, I, am so, I, I care about his dating life. I care about like, <laughs> I care about.
6: Wait, what
0: like, happened to Prosper's little boo?
3: Lady
2: Genevieve. I mean, you know, Prosper, Prosper hey, had a of Prosper had all prospects. prospects. All right. A okay. okay. <laughs> quick,
7: quick, more important question, <laughs> oh my God. What, oh what gosh, can we, we do go. to get Jimmy Dale back on the show? <laughs>
6: <Bye>. <laughs> <Bye. of>
7: <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> what can we do to get my dog back on the show? That was,
6: bit, those, that
2: the was we, we had a lot of fun with Jimmy Dale that year. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was David Allen did back. so well. He was phenomenal. He He was cut. Up. i love that people <laughs> still talk about that fight scene with the dirt all that we wanted to do it he wanted to, to do the stunt that himself that. he was like let me do it i want to get in there and do the oh, whole he, thing so,
1: yeah oh, he did it himself here it talks about yeah. that wow. like as a director what do you do to prepare for a show
4: um, well, I definitely like listening to my meditation music and drinking my tea. But so I, I try to, you know, spend as much time with the script in peace as I can Um, and just like read it, you know, once for the essence of it, twice for, you know, whose scene it is. And I make a bunch of different passes on the scripts. And but what was, you know, interesting about this season is going back to the block shooting. So it's like, I couldn't just prepare for like one episode. Like I could righteously be shooting scenes from all three of my episodes in one single day and so it was really just like taking those um particular scenes and then breaking them down reminding myself in like little notes and scriptation you know like I said earlier of like where they're coming from where they're going and um I have a general idea of like the blocking and what I want to do in the scene and I I think the most valuable thing to my approach is I go in there I tell you what i'm thinking you're here you're doing this blah blah blah. this makes you move over here you know xyz and then i look at the actors and this be blowing their mind um uh, what do you think and then they're like what and i'm like yeah like tell me what you think because like you've been this character for longer than me like you know them more intimately like you know what i'm saying and i give them that opportunity to be like oh well you know Aunt violet would do this or nova would do this and then you know i look over at, at camera bruce cole and i'm like what do you think Bruce like does that work for you is this going to mess you up like what's the best way to accomplish this and because I have that conversation with all the powers that be in there it's like we're all on the same page they feel you know the actors feel like they get to express themselves and it's not just it's not just moving by numbers and things like that so um I found that that really helps me because again we're all on the same page everybody feels like they get to contribute and you know we know what it is but really it's like um encouraging everybody so speaking right. to what you asked about like the energy on set i am so fascinated and amazed by everything that people do because i said this on my instagram the other day i'm like what am i gonna do if the focus pull is magically disappear you know what i'm saying like those guys be over there killing it on the focus like that is a very finicky thing because they let me play mm-hmm. with it in rehearsals and i give it back to them because i'm like i don't want to get you fired like i don't want them to think that it's you over here doing this but it's like I just be so excited. Like, you know, cut. That was great. Everybody, you know, (laughs) it mixtape points. I do things. I go, and then I go in there and I tell the actors what they did good. And like, you know, maybe give them a note or two. I just communicate with them and tell them like, this is why we're going again. And, or don't be afraid to move and pivot. Like camera will catch you. So I just try to really provide like a safe space for them to, you know, do their thing and just let them know that I'm going to have their back and Even just, like I said, encouraging everybody else, even the people that's not on screen. Like we was rolling on something the other day and, one of the dolly guys he was doing this slow dolly back and I was thinking to myself in the middle of the take I'm looking at him like the balance okay <laughs> like I could never like it was so smooth and so I cut and I was like excellent dolly you know what I'm saying and um even Cheryl Miller um she had told me she was like I love that you encourage everybody and it's honestly like why not like yeah. it don't cost me nothing it makes them feel good it makes me feel good to let them know that hey man I think you're killing it bro or hey I think you're killing it sis like that was fire you know what I'm saying and like that just really does something for them and they tell me that they don't get this from other people and stuff all the time and I'm like that's crazy to me because like one thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hype my people up you know what I'm saying and and that really just allows everybody to like really pour into it and again it's one of them things that I feel like you know shows up on screen because again like I've been in workplaces, you know. I've had to wipe people's asses. I've had to, you know, tie rebar together for a, a parking lot, and you know, lay tile, pour concrete. To me, that's hard work. So, so mm-hmm. to like go in here and be at camp, as I call it, with my mm-hmm. friends, and like, you know, doing these things with them, it's like you can't you can't help but to be happy yeah. on set with me because I'm so pleased to be there.
1: Yeah, a You, feel to have. Silly, you yeah, know I what I'm that's saying? A so great like. Perspective.
4: Yeah, we have a good time. It's all about the energy.
1: Yeah. And um, I'm trying
4: to be on set with Sierra.
3: Yeah. Paul, okay. <laughs> so I know, I know
1: Paul has to, has to drop off. We appreciate you being here and spending some time with us and sharing with us. Um, thank you so much for, for, for everything, you. for the show and, and the pivots and all that good stuff.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I enjoy I'll uh, hold your office you down for
7: <laughs> you. Thank it. you so much. All right, hey, thank you, hey, Paul, before you yeah. go, um, if yeah. you got any way to get Charlie a love interest for next season, I'm volunteering <laughs> to be Charlie's love interest. Just put in a good word for me. I got a little <laughs> bit of acting skills. I'll step in and do that. I feel like she needs a love interest. I feel like I could be that. Somebody, appreciate it. All
2: right, we'll we'll, uh, we'll uh, definitely take note. <laughs> yeah, just, run, and, uh, run it up
7: the ladder, talk to the, you know the people who who be you know how is, they people contact my all people. is the yeah. ladder,
1: it seems like. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Lord,
7: I'm available. That's what I'm
1: saying. Oh, I'm available. All right, thank you guys. <laughs> Thank, thank you. Guys. you. Thank you. <laughs> all, all right, you. oh
6: um, Lord. Y'all so- so-
4: Paul Darnes, you guys. Love some <laughs> I call him Uncle Paul.
1: Yeah,
0: he he gives gives uncle energy i about to say i can see that i can see
1: that for sure all right so but before we know we have you for a little bit longer you're gonna hang out for a little bit longer we thought we have a little fun um since you're so since you're so actively involved so i think shaunice or shaunice you got you got some you got some of the superlative questions some of the the fun stuff
3: I don't I'm about to make
0: one up though. Who's gonna say? So, you know, we had this idea, we had this idea to like do some superlatives. And initially we were thinking maybe to do it like for the, the characters on the show, but we were like, nah, let's learn more about the actual actors on the show. Okay. You know, okay. we want, you know, You're since you have such it. a exact and I, I realized as you were talking, I was like, we got the right one because she yeah. is an A1 since day one, <laughs> so she got all the tea. I so um, I have a few questions and if other folks have, you know, other superlatives that they want to throw in there, please feel free. But I just have a, a couple that I initially came up with. So who is like the funniest on set? I'm thinking like, not like the class clown, of course, but like the the jokester, the pranks the one who has like, you know, who's always kidding around.
4: I'm going to answer this question and I'm going to answer it in two parts because somebody actually yesterday asked me who, what's the character that I relate the most to, and what's the character, um, who's, who's the person that I, um, have the most fun working with, and so the second part of this answer, I'm gonna tie it into that, so the, the character that I relate to the most is Ralph Angel, because he's, you know, poor Ralph Angel, he's a hopeless romantic at heart, you know what I'm saying, y'all think Ralph Angel cry a lot, as a shooter cries a lot, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I can relate, so I love some Ralph Angel, and, you know, just uh, his entire plight, really, but, the person that I have the most fun working with and who is the most fun to work on set with is Tina Lifford. Really? I tell you, yo, first of all, Tina Lifford is a stone cold killer when it comes to the acting. Okay? She is. She Give her her flowers. Acting. She, I learned from her like the way she breaks down the script. She's like, I think I do this, but also me and Tina Lifford be talking so much shit to each other. <laughs> <I see. laughs> One, we like each other. Would pay money. We, well no it's a show you know what I'm saying and we have so much fun like I gave her a note the other day and I was like and I need you to kind of you know do this and blah blah blah," or like um we're gonna cheat your markup I was telling her something and she was like so basically what you're telling me is don't fuck up your shot and I was like (laughs) absolutely you know what I'm saying so like that's the kind of banter we have and she's just so funny um it always just makes a way to just you know throw in some dry humor some you know some snide humor whatever it is but Tina Lifford will keep you on your toes okay leave so that 100 like, percent yeah it's having to go back and forth like that so that's one thing awesome. I really love about her yeah. is
0: there like a, a prankster on set
4: um It's blue ain't it. Honestly, that probably would have been me. Like, (laughs) it would have been me because, like, I used to photo bomb all the continuity photos when I was the first team PA. Like, Charlie's ponytail could be like back here, and I would be like peeking through back here, like, and stuff. But um, there was one time that we also, um, me and Dondre, who played Remy in previous years, actually took Tina Lifford's um, director's chair and we had the grips um, hang it from like one of the raptors in our stage when she went back to her chair her chair was hanging in the air and so it was just you know they just got to bickering and fighting and stuff like that so um we always have a good time but I can't I can't really say anybody be out there pulling pranks pranks that's fair yeah
0: okay who has like the best music taste like who would you want to send you a playlist
4: Mm hmm it's probably nick ash really he's on it (laughs) having some fire stuff but yeah nick has a fire playlist rutina um me and her like to share like hype songs and stuff like that like what does everybody
0: listen to i i want to know that
4: i'm curious (laughs) now yeah yeah like um Kofi likes to he he ranges like sometimes he'll just put on like some jazz and stuff really like, like okay like, takes like, notes like, you know, we'll be
6: chilling
4: and takes notes. Stuff. You know, please like stop put that on in the back you'll have a you'll have a pop of like old rap and stuff in there and um routine we like to listen to turn up music you know what I'm saying you might find like some Cardi B or something playing um yeah and then. I've actually been with Ethan, uh, he was making beats when he was like six years old on Let his album. Like, yeah, this is like a jazz one, and this is a spooky one, and I'm like, how do you even know how to work this? So he's thing? really
0: a genius, he's actually no, like for real. real. In real
4: life. Absolutely, in real life, and so yeah. I.
0: Okay, they're, all they're right. Cool.
4: You know what I'm saying? That's what I think.
0: Okay. Um. Who like tells the best stories? Like they always got a story to tell, and then, like you 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 want to hear them tell it.
4: Um. Either Tina Lifford or Omar Dorsey. Omar got a lot of stories.
0: That makes a lot of sense too.
4: The cable, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> you know they might not be safe for work, but they'll be great. <laughs> I ran
1: into him in a club <laughs> in D.C. a couple years ago. Like literally just ran into him because I guess he has a a daughter or or a child at Howard or something like that. Uh huh. He was having a good old time up in the club, boy. He was enjoying <laughs> himself. I think we took a picture together. So I was like, "Yo, Hollywood." That's
4: very. That's very on brand for him. There would be times where I would, you know, be out with them before coronavirus, and I would have to go. Um, I was staying with Omar one time, and I had an early call because I was a PA, and um, I was staying in his house, and he had actually still been out when it was time for me to go to set and so wow. when i hear like, here's some coconut water sir, like, welcome. <laughs> omar can hang they make me question how lively i am because me i go to sleep okay okay i, go sleep, I take a bath i get in bed but they be out and about
1: i love it all right does it. anybody
0: else have any 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 uh Superlative questions. Go ahead, Shanice.
3: Do we have any um any divas? Who is who is the most like yeah, I had another bourgeois or like the diva or like once their their room with like rose petals <laughs> on the floor
6: and,
7: and
3: um, red m on the And red <laughs> right and, and a certain sense that they need yes. to smell before they start. What's
4: so funny to me is like I don't think we have any divas. Um mm-hmm. what I will say though is that I cater to them like or I catered to them like they were divas, like I would make them all different juices in the morning because, like, green juice. Like, yeah, when I was their first team PA, because I had to feed them in the morning, you know what Mm. I'm saying? Like, I would Kofi love my juices so much I would have to make him too like you know like routine and she like watermelon and pineapple and then like a egg plus egg whites um with some avocado and some turkey bacon it's like, come know, on, and on another, another routine to know the <laughs> okay. like, you, you gotta give Miss Tina Lifford some room temp water that's just what she prefers that's, that's what she like because like. you know I came up in the show like you know um helping them and serving them in that way to me it's just like I'm particular too I, I kind of prefer my water to be room temperature <laughs> it's better
0: people way. sleep on the room temperature water
5: I love how you never like, forgot that though how you still got that on the tip of your tongue to lay out those orders like you never forgot from, the, from your day one your day one job and you still remember everybody's order and stuff it. that's
4: I tell people all the time, like as the first team PA, I was their girlfriend. I was their sister, I was their aunt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like really like getting these people like through the day and stuff like that. Like having their snacks, knowing their tendencies. I would call Kofi slippery. And cause he would like to slip off the base and stuff like that. So I eyes on him, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it's just, Tina Lifford was praising me the other day. She was like, we are all such very different people but you took care of us in such a individualized and specific way that it's just like, she was just like, I don't know how you did it all. But again, it's just like, I love people for who they are. And it's like, I see a lot of myself in them. And I know that I'm a very complicated, you know, complicated and particular individual sometimes. And so, you know, my, that's my fam and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but I actually also,
0: have, oh no, go ahead. Okay, I, I have one more.
4: Yes, but they ain't, not to me <laughs> you know They ain't gonna do it. Yeah, they me. the homies. Yeah, they ain't gonna do me like that.
0: I have one more. Who is the most like fashionable? Like who comes dressed dressed down? Like
4: okay, um, has the
0: sense of style.
4: Ooh, now this might be a battle between Rutina and Nicholas Ash. Like seriously, Mm, Um,
1: Rutina
4: fly sneaker game. I see that.
0: Um, Really? Okay.
4: Every time I see Nick Ash, I'm like, wait, is he always
1: wearing his own shoes on set? Is he? Are those his shoes that he be wearing? Mm -hmm.
4: Oh, no, not Nick. He gets costume shoes. Oh, I am about to say, because he always,
1: always he always got the fly kicks on. We Super nice. I, like I, I actually had with, to learn there's a difference
4: between like what Routina looks like and what Nova looks like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like different swag, kind of similar, but very different. Um, And then, yeah, Nick, he's just always so fresh. I be getting on to him. I'm like, bro, like, whatever you buy, just let me send you some money in my side. Yeah, too. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just a shout out to my birthday twin and the set Barbara Wayne Jala always fresh like wow Wayne comes to work fresh to death every single day and I get on to him about it I'm like again bro we birthday twins like if, if I was a guy I would be you and so every time you buy this fly stuff you should just get one of my Let's size too yeah right.
0: okay. that's fair that's fair
4: yeah
0: okay yes. those were all the ones I had anybody got any more or or does that wrap it up?
4: I can give oh, okay. you I can run down the list and tell oh, you. Listen, so, um, I have whatever
0: you want to <laughs> tell us is. <laughs> All right, so I'm
4: going to start at the top. So Rutina um Rutina will definitely um she like she'll she'll definitely give you those variations. She won't, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes she will explore them with you if I'm like um, like the other day I told her, um, she was doing this reaction. It was a very big reaction. And I, as a director had to find a way to like tell her to bring it down without being offensive. Cause that's like mm-hmm. the plight of the Virgo delivering rude truths, you know, in the <laughs> nicest way possible. And I was like, on this one, let me get paralyzed with fear. And she really, at first she kind of was like, and then she did it. And she texts me later. She was like, I love working with you. It keeps me on my toes. So like, Rutina is very like serious and invested in her character, um, Um, and just is always down to do whatever Dawn um, Lynn who plays Charlie um, is she she's very particular about the script and her character Mm. you know what I'm saying and I appreciate that because it's like there will be no holes when it comes to Charlie Bordelon you feel me (laughs) Um, let me give me two seconds I'm looking at my thing and it says I'm on five percent and so it tells me that this outlet is not working and I don't want to die on you
7: yeah, Please don't yeah. be enjoying this. Yes, you know? this is wonderful.
4: Yeah. yeah, so I'm a um, this is still not working, but I'm a multitask. So, Kofi, um, Kofi likes to ad lib. Kofi will basically rewrite, and it's lovely because it'd be real, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, with the gas station scene. Um, and then who's number four?
7: But, quick question about that though, about like when he goes off into his own, like do you have to get any sort of approval? Um, when they go off script or a certain level of off script. Kind or how it work?
4: sometimes like if it's a big change and he just won't say the line like yeah but i always <laughs> be like hey let's get one by the book and let's play fair and let's do what they want because it's mm-hmm. their show you know what i'm saying and like right. let's not offend nobody but also like let's have fun like let's get our version and sometimes you know what they be picking our version too which is super yeah. special you know what i'm saying and again i just think it helps like infuse that like realness in the show um that we'd be looking for and then like Tina Lifford another person that is really um adamant about um you know the holes in the store and just not letting always just offering like well I think Violet would do this and so that's very helpful um Omar he just kills Hollywood every time like I barely have to give him any notes for real he
0: is Hollywood, We're big like, Hollywood fans. So far yeah.
4: as Omar he has like the heart of Hollywood you yeah. know what I'm saying and so like that really, um, yeah, I don't know what's up with my charger. So we may have to do a company move.
6: <laughs> <We just have. laughs> um,
4: yeah. Um, and so then Ethan, he's, you know, he's so precious. He's a gem and he just comes and kills it every time. Um, and I, you know, I miss Houston make his organic peanut butter and banana Aww.
1: sandwiches
4: and stuff like that. Um, and then who else do we have?
1: Bianca Lawson.
4: Mm, yes. Oh, yeah, Bianca would <laughs> do anything. Okay. If I went in there and said, Bianca, I need you to do this take on a headstand. <laughs> be like, I ain't never did a headstand before, but watch this. Gotcha. Give it to me. You know what I'm saying? And so I love working with her. She's so sweet. Um, and then I'm just drawing blanks. Who else? Prosper. Like, let me look on this board. Oh my god, I love Mr. Henry. I just I'd be wanting to just shoot his, you know, shoot takes and takes and <laughs> him because I don't want to let it go. And he yeah. just you know, he just nails it every time. I think he's a legend, and I think it's so special to work with him. Nick um, Ash, lovely human being. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, but
7: and- how much? How much do you dislike his character, Micah? Because I can't stand <laughs> oh him, Micah. Gosh. So let's just. keep – How much do you dislike Micah? i could be doing I some interesting I stuff I always
4: relate to Micah because Micah is a la boy and i'm a country girl so you know mm-hmm. we're on like different ends of the spectrum so like mm-hmm. i can only relate to Micah so much i know some people just be like we need to toughen that boy up but you know, <laughs> that's like, what i'll be, be saying
7: you, I <laughs> say all boys say you listen need to me to
4: be we tough. Tough. okay yes, they do. no they don't we can mm-hmm. argue about that only. okay
7: We argue about it enough. Arguments are happening right here. Okay. So look, I'm over here cheating and
4: looking on this board
7: over here. Uh All right, along that line, because I I know your battery gonna run out and we really gotta get the answer to this because it's a very important question. Why do I keep The dollar Ralph Angel. Oh my God, don't listen to We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Okay, that's out of line.
4: Love the
7: girl like that? I um no. (laughs) (laughs) Corey was. I I that,
4: Corey.
7: I said, wait, I've been in love. I love someone on that level, but I just Corey is always always
1: fighting with us about Ralph Angel, and Darla. The the, the,
7: the other girl was a better fit for Ralph Angel, the lawyer girl. Deisha,
1: Deisha. No, she
3: had
1: to go. Bring Deisha back. No. listen my, they look beautiful together lovely. they are happy
4: she was very lovely you know and we love <laughs> all these different moments for ralph angel but at the same time like if your heart is somewhere it is it what might it might is be savory yes. for everybody else but it might be savory for you so you just gotta you go for what you know
1: there you yeah. go uh, that, that is I a-
4: say he's a hopeless romantic and that's why i like him because i relate people can just Trust me, I
1: can relate.
6: I'm
4: personal life, but man, (laughs) I be feeling him. So uh oh guys, I got the charger back up in the game.
5: Hey. Hey, that's what's up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I well, you know, we well, glad you got the charger back up. We were about we were Go ahead. We're going to wrap up. Unless you got some other, like, stuff?
4: I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want got to drop you. out before I got to say a proper goodbye. I
1: got it. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we really do appreciate everything that you share with us. Like, this was awesome. This was wonderful. Um, gives us some context for some of the characters and even the way the show happens, uh, because we always have so many questions. The conversations we have about it, we don't ever really get a chance to answer those questions. We're just kind of speculating the way that we think about things uh that overstand moment with Ralph Angel answers a whole lot that yeah. I'm telling you because yep. <laughs> we I veered that into a whole conversation about hotepery and uh you know I was like I was like do we think Ralph Angel's a hotep because I was like where does that statement come from it's so random but you know but either <laughs> now,
3: are you calling Kofi a hotep
1: no, do no no, well, let's, no. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, yeah. don't think <laughs> people yet.
4: are so different from their characters yeah like it's crazy like Dawn Lynn I literally be looking at the screen sometimes and I love it when I forget that they're my friends mm-hmm. and I just see their character because if there was anybody on this show that is like the most polar opposite than their character is Dawn Lynn Gardner you know what I'm wow. saying
7: and, and what way why do you say that
4: she is really just like I don't know she just regular lady you know what I'm saying but like Charlie is like all this fire and this this and the third but like Dawn is so laid back you know what I'm saying and so like I know when I'm looking at Charlie Mm -hmm. there's never been a time I've I've had Dawn on screen and I was like oh that's Dawn no because they are literally polar opposites which I think is so cool which again I think makes her too a stone cold killer I was telling her that the other day I'm like you is just like on you know what I'm saying so um I love this show. I love these people, you know what I'm saying? I love that y'all love this show because, you know, even going back to like being a PA and stuff, it's just like, to know that all the hard work that we put over years, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it resonates with y'all, y'all love it. That's like, as a creator, as a person that, you know, has put in, you know, the grunt work for this show, it's like, Mm -hmm. we couldn't ask for nothing more. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all link up and talk about this. That's (laughs) (laughs) great. the room. Argue like, about very it. Very special, you know. Argue. like, Argue you know, about it. I, know, I can tell y'all be arguing uh,
6: <laughs> Oh, we do. Man, oh do we, we do. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, do it. argue. We can cut <laughs> it out, because Corey be out
4: right. y'all, y'all don't have to call me back, because you know what I'm
0: saying? Like, <laughs> we'll be more than happy to know. have you. more than happy. You know please yeah, come I've, back. I've been,
4: I've been thrown into the fabric of this show and I love it. I will always, you know, preach about how much I love this show and how much I love the things we talk about, the people that make it and just this experience. Sometimes I'll be like, man, I don't know what I'm gonna do when Queen Sugar ain't around no more. And I can't just pop up on set to the stage to like be with all these people at one time. So again, we just really appreciate that y'all cherish it as much as we do. That's super, super cool.
7: So yeah. there will be another a new season of Queen Sugar after this one, correct?
4: Uh season 6, yes. Yes.
7: Uh what what role if any do you anticipate having uh in that season?
4: Um, I don't know. You might have to watch the tabloids in the day. Oh, you can't give us no,
7: <laughs> no, no, no top secret information?
4: information.
7: <laughs> okay, okay.
4: Okay, oh, somebody, well, I Somebody said you can spill the tea, honey. Chelsea Chelsea said I can say. So um, I'm actually here right now. I'm directing episode 602. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah,
7: yeah. Go um, congratulations. My, yeah, congratulations. Hey, I
4: started working on my fourth episode before my first one even um premiered, which I think is right? That is dope. That's
1: amazing. <laughs>
6: awesome.
4: yeah, so that's super cool. Come on,
0: sis. I yeah, love
4: it. Me, so um, nice. you know, it's a blessing. I, I can't believe it. I just you know, I still be excited like it was my first day. You know what I'm saying? I just love it and again I cherish it, and it's just like, ain't nobody got a better job than me. I'm doing the coolest shit in the world.
0: Amen. You
1: are, you are. Well, yeah, thank you so cool. much for taking some time out for us. Uh, we can get you on one of these episodes. So you can argue with Corey one of
7: these days. We'll have to do that. Hey, yeah, <laughs> definitely come and be on our regular episodes. You'll enjoy it. It's a whole thing. I want it with me now. Oh
4: days. yeah. I want all of it. Listen. <laughs>
7: well, first <laughs> off, you you had the unfortunate. Um, circumstances of going to the University of Alabama. I went wow. to LSU. Sir,
4: that was the most fortunate circumstance. <laughs> no,
7: so quite bad. tragic, so <laughs> I understand.
4: It's, OK, it's a champion thing. I, I understand Ooh. most people cannot relate, but I can't.
7: <laughs> we a champ- well, I'm sorry, we won a championship last year. We won a championship, won a championship last year. This is to go. Exactly. This is how the
1: conversations go. <laughs> OK, all right, well, thank you um, for everything. Hopefully we get a chance to talk to you again sometime. Congrats on the next season and the work you're doing right now. We can't wait to see it. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Just thank you.
6: I appreciate
0: it. All right, y'all. Y'all have a
6: good evening. Thank you, Jesus. This is my body. I
4: hope it never goes away. Love
7: kisses on my eyes. My heart will always hold a place
6: for you Your touch helps me find peace
4: Let's eat, I'll give my last piece to you That's how you know it's real
6: Willing to grow Never die.